travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Welcome to Talk Travel Asia, episode 66. This one is Animal Tourism in Asia. Animals have been a mainstay of tourism in Asia for decades. Many travelers actually make seeing and interacting with Asia's wildlife a cornerstone of their trip. Whether it's snorkeling and scuba diving to see underwater life, marveling at orangutans swinging in their natural environments, volunteering to assist given apes, posing for photos with tigers, or riding an elephant, Asia has a wide market of animal options available. Some are good, some are bad, and others lie in a gray area. Today we're going to talk about some animal sites and attractions we're familiar with, and others that are noteworthy. And we are in Bangkok in uh, my condo with... Hey Scott, Trevor Ranges here. Hey man. Lots of animals outside here in the city. There are lots of animals in this city <laughs> and uh, there's a couple animals sitting in here recording this thing. Yep. Um, yeah, you know, I almost feel like we had done this episode before. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe just because, you know, in our travel lives, um, we've gone and experienced lots of animal attractions. Yeah. We know lots of people in the animal industries. Mm. I don't know if that's quite right. But within tourism, there are lots of animal experiences. Yeah. And I mean, we had John Roberts on an episode, I think it was number four and it's uh, noted in the show notes. And yeah, we just talked about environmentalism and I think it's just on our periphery. We've touched the subject, but then we we're brainstorming. We're like, we haven't actually done a full episode on stuff to do with animals. So we figured it was time. And I mean, some of these places we've been to personally and we know a lot about. Other places we've never been to, but we probably know a few people that have told us about it. But I I think they're kind of noteworthy and there's some of the good, the bad, the in-between areas and the downright bad, right? Yeah, I think I've definitely even written about this, talking about good versus bad. and, uh, and, And I think that can be confusing for tourists, you know, because let's say like... You know, an elephant camp. Uh, elephants mm. are a huge attraction here in Thailand, but in yeah. neighboring countries as well. And uh, people really want to see an elephant. They want to experience elephants. Um, but the majority of elephant tourism purveyors don't necessarily put the elephant's well-being ahead of their own economic interests. Yeah, and we're going to actually tackle elephants uh, kind of in a bit more detail. But then there's the other one. Like, I think every traveler has heard of the Tiger Temple. And a couple of years ago... Like they found out all kinds of crazy stuff and we'll talk about it later on. But I mean, you got to really kind of, you got to take a look at yourself, I think, before you do stuff with animals and then look at the attraction as well and ask the why kind of to me, like, why am Mm -hmm. I going to this? And there's great experiences, but there's also some that you should probably avoid. Yeah, and you know, I, I think we, at some point we should probably try and get some guests on to talk about this. Uh, one of my classmates from the East-West Center, uh, right. Nabeen, mm-hmm. he works for Wildlife Conservation Nepal. Right. Um, so he could probably tell us some good yeah, stuff just... about that. Or even somebody from, let's say, like the Bali Safari and Marine Park, which I don't know if we're mentioning here uh, today. No. Um, but uh, yeah, they do conservation education even. And This and... could be the intro to branch out specialty origin style podcast (laughs) well i think it's an important topic and uh, i'm glad we finally got around to it could turn this into a franchise and a whole podcasting universe topic well yeah well you know what let's start 
with the biggest animal and kind of one of the biggest topics, I think, is elephants because elephants are something that especially people traveling to Southeast Asia. There's a lot of areas in Southeast Asia where people can come into contact with them, ride on them, watch them do stuff. And in the last, I'd say, kind of two years, it's really become a hot button topic like no riding elephants. Elephants should only, you should only bathe them and walk with them. Well, and it, it's, it's topical, right? But 10 years ago, they were still walking around the streets of Bangkok. And mm -hmm. there's no more elephants on the streets of Bangkok. I have not seen a, a street no. elephant in like yeah, eight, years. Yeah, nine, yeah. 10 years. A long um, time. But, but one thing that people aren't necessarily aware of though is that like elephants used to be used by Thai people for yeah. logging and, and sure. other types of industry and then once mechanization replaced elephants as tractors and, mm -hmm. and, and trucks and, and whatnot um, there was all these elephants that needed jobs effectively that it worked and, and, and wasn't it 92 they banned logging in Thailand I think yeah and, and then once they did that well all your elephants that dragged teak logs all of a sudden we're out of work so the fact of the matter is i think these things eat like 100 and 200 plus kgs a day and they drink something like 170 liters of water so if you have an elephant that's domesticated like you've got an 80 year old person you got to take care of yeah so we do have to do something with them right well that's why i think like organizations and and hotels and other purveyors of good elephant attractions let's say like the anantara elephant camp yeah it's a um, good one years ago i uh went to actually we went this year to the elephant polo okay in bangkok yeah yeah, yeah. And, I was gonna and go they to that. use the elephant polo funding to effectively buy street elephants and their mahouts and their families and give them jobs at the anantara up in chiang rai yeah um and, and i think that what they're doing elephant nature park is another one up in chiang mai um, where you can't even ride the elephants at all. Yeah, um, you walk but, with but them, you, you can interact them. with them and stuff like that. But I think that you know there are a handful of these organizations that are doing very pro-elephant or, or elephant first mm. rather than tourism first um, business models. Yeah, I mean, I went to the Anantara in the Golden Triangle, so where Laos, Burma, and Thailand meet, and the Anantara Hotel set up a, an elephant kind of program, rescue program, to they buy street elephants. And we talked to John Roberts, who set it up and is the real expert on episode four. And it's good, man. Like, even when I rode them, like, it's super easy for an elephant to carry a person. Yeah. Really easy. And I think when I rode with them, like, there was nothing cruel or bad about it. They had their morning routine. They're getting a buffet of great food. They get that, like, someone just sits on their back while they go down and have a bath. And, like, yeah. I think it's more about how they're cared for. But the Anantara really kind of led the way. They were years ahead on that one and treating them well. And Patara is another one in Chiang Mai, Thailand, that's done really well. I don't know if you can ride them anymore, but they kind of were at the start of that spend time with an elephant trend. Yeah. That's the thing now. And then yeah. the, the Elephant Conservation Center, which yeah. is in Lampang, which is just south of Chiang Mai. Mm. Um, that's where they house the, the, the king of Thailand's uh, white elephants. The albino All elephants. the albino yeah. elephants are automatically the property of the, the king of Thailand. And they keep all of the, the Thai king's elephants there. But they also do like wild elephant... Uh, medical services yeah you'll like see that. stories in the bangkok post of an elephant often along the thai burmese border or, or stepped like that. on a mine yes yeah, often mine. and they come with one limb like razored off and they make it a prosthetic you see that every couple of years yeah. a story and that's an the thai elephant, elephant conservation yeah. center that does that and they were the first people to teach elephants how to paint no really and again yeah. like ooh, that's so exploitive you know like i don't know you know like it's a little bit gimmicky but again like I've These, only heard good things. Yeah. Like, yeah. if you have an elephant painting, again, 
their painting skills are somewhat guided. If it's by, part of their chill out time on their yeah. off work hours <laughs> right. as, an, as an available activity, sure. Yeah. But I, you've told me a few times about one in uh, Mondokiri, Cambodia, an area that I really want to get to. Yeah, our friend Jack Highwood, he runs the Elephant Valley Project up in Mondokiri, Cambodia. And that's in what, like the northeast of the country, right? Um, yeah, it's in the, the east, east, I guess. Kind of central the, east. The Vietnamese east? border, yeah. And that's uh, one of the last kind of wildernessy areas, along with Ratanakiri up in the north. It's um, north of there, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Jack runs an Elephant Valley project there. And his motto is let them roam free. Yeah. And uh, he's got a cool little homestay where you can stay in really rudimentary kind of bungalows that are nice enough. And, and you can help him care for these animals that might otherwise be killed by poachers if they were simply allowed to, to roam free. Right. And, I mean, you wrote uh, two National Geographic yep. uh, Cambodia books. National so, Geographic. I mean, you... You, you know a bit about it. Yeah, I'd love to get there, man. It, it um, sounds really great. And then, uh, again, this is a point to, if you haven't gotten to this podcast via our show notes, go to our show notes and we're going to have information yeah. about all these places. Um, Jack has some somewhat graphic warning videos. That's a great video. Um, just about like <laughs> showing people why you should be careful around yeah. elephants because these are large and potentially dangerous animals and, and they're not toys. They're not yeah. you know something to be trifled with really you know I, I think my personal opinion in general is is whenever possible to leave wild animals be to themselves mm. um, I think it's important that they are wild animals for the most part and uh, you should give them the proper respect yeah and then I think obviously the elephants is an obvious one there's some others where we now have animals that have been domesticated and we've got to care for them so mm. then it's kind of making an, an ethical and smart decision on how you visit and interact and support that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which brings me to the next one here on our list, uh -huh. um, which is kind of interesting because here in Thailand and many Southeast Asian countries, at least, mm. who are Buddhist cultures, mm -hmm. um, they, 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 their, their religion teaches them to treat animals in a particular way. Right. Um, so with the street dogs... Um, in Thailand, there's a lot of street dogs. Yeah, and, it's gotten and a bit better, but yeah, but Thai people issue. they won't euthanize dogs, for and they example. also won't take care of them. Let they them won't sit spay there or and... neuter dogs, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So you have these huge street dog populations because they won't spay or neuter mm. wild dogs. Mm. Um, so you do have a lot of like wild animals in the city. Yeah, not it's definitely they're wild, a, but they're yeah. I feel like it's gotten a lot better in the last five years. But there's a place called Soy Dog Foundation, and I'm sure they used to have one here in Bangkok. I I feel like back yeah, in the day totally. there was, but the big one now is in Phuket, and I've never been, but I've sent a few people there that wanted to um, experience animals. They had kids, and reports are good. I mean, they basically try and bring in stray cats and dogs take care of them and i'm sure they you know probably use a run a, a campaign to get people to try and spay and neuter them but you can volunteer for a period of time like multiple days or months you can donate and they do have a couple times per day that you can drop in for a site visit and uh, yeah the people that i've known have gone so it was really really interesting really well run and yeah, it's a problem because like people, I think ties are, are good natured, but they kind of won't like take care of it. And you'll see like a bloodied, like scabby yeah. dog. 
but no one will put it down either. So this yeah. is great that these people do it. Yeah. And you have some friends that went, right? Yeah. I think John and Kathleen, who we hope to have on to talk about their travel to Iran, mm. I believe that they did some volunteer work with Soy Dog Rescue when they were in Thailand. Uh, okay. But maybe we'll ask them about that when we do the Iran episode. Yeah. It's it's a good one. I think it's not so far from Maikau Beach in Phuket. So if you're around kind of like south of the airport, kind of actually where around the Anantara is there, it's a pretty easy strike. So I, th- I think it's a good bet if you're really into dogs and, and maybe if you have kids too. Yeah. Okay, switching gears a little bit. Um, I am not generally a fan of zoos. I love animals locked up in cages. Yeah, I, Small find, ones. I find zoos incredibly yeah. depressing. Yeah. It's a now, tough one. Though. Now, there's one zoo, or it's sometimes called a zoo in some mm. of the guidebooks, which is why I was turned off by the idea originally. Um, but there's a place in Cambodia, uh, about 25 kilometers south of Phnom Penh, that's called the Phnom Tamau Wildlife Rescue Center. Mm. Um, and there, if, if this is a zoo, this is what all zoos should probably be like. Okay. Um, back in 2007, you were mentioning elephants that step on landmines. I was. Um, there was an a, a elephant that had stepped on a snare Oof. from a poacher. Oh, and, and it ended up having to lose its, its foot. Thank um, you, humans. But, but when, I, when I Googled it yesterday to look up what's happening, this is 10 years ago. Uh-huh. He, this elephant's still living. He's got a prosthetic uh, foot now. Yeah. Um, and he lives... Still at the Phnom Tamau Wildlife Rescue Center. Oh, that's cool. Um, but that's what they do. They care for and rehabilitate animals that have been rescued from the illegal wildlife trade, kept as pets, or like you know injured by by animal like cars or, or poachers or whatnot. And then they have a wildlife release station up in the Cardamom Mountains. Man, that's a beautiful area. Here. Yeah, that's one of the most like jungly areas of, of Cambodia. Mm. Yeah, really beautiful. So. Um, you can actually go up and stay up there. Um, they release animals like otters, leopards, loris, pangolins um, that have been held in captivity and then trained to, to survive in the wild again. You can stay there in their lodgings and then uh, you can help them with preparation and feeding of sun bears and monkeys and birds. Um, they have uh, radio collared tracking devices that you can oh, like, yeah. learn how to follow on the, on the computers. That's cool. And they set up... Uh, camera traps in the forest to like try and see how the animals are doing and you can help them uh, set up camera traps so i think uh, it's an excellent way to to see wild animals um not necessarily in the wild but in the pseudo wild you know that's good man and and obviously by all reports conditions are good you know i've driven by it when i've gone to kep and kampak because i was kind of like zoo Mm. no but you know what you've sold me next time i i head that way i'll 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 definitely i think you need to make a reservation i don't know that you can just drop in yeah and you know while we're in cambodia um there's a really really great conservation center that's fantastic for birds sam am i going to say it right visna 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 yeah and he's based out of siam rip and i remember back in my uh you know travel company days designing trips I dropped into their center. Full disclosure, I've never done one of their trips, but I've talked to lots and lots of people in the business and in the know, and reports are only great. They take you out right to the west side of uh, the lake, right? Yeah, they do a bunch of different tours, actually. It depends on, like, if you're a real birder, like mm-hmm. a bird nerd, yeah. like, they, yeah, they'll take you to see all sorts of different kinds of birds. And it's a great country climates. for birding. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, on the Tomle Sop Lake, they do that. They also, uh, the Osmos Eco Tours is another organization that does great Tomle Sap okay. um, birding. But Sam Vijna also does uh, vulture feeding. They have vultures in Cambodia. Right. 
And uh, they go up to like Kolke area. Oh, really? Um, Where's Kolke for those? It's listening? Like north uh, towards towards the Thai border, north of Siem Reap. It's just sort of yeah, north and east, north right? North and east of yeah, uh, Siem that's Reap. a great area. I've and been there. Uh, once a month, I think they they kill a cow um, to leave as carrion for the vultures to to, to live off of. Okay. Um, because uh, I think they're fairly in, not endangered but threatened, and, and there's hmm. not a lot of carrion left for these vultures to feed off of. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, there's definitely some cool birding opportunities with Sam Vishna and Osmos ecotourism. And I think the, the area they do one in Prektol, which is like a yeah. little where the kind of river comes out of the uh, the lake in Cambodia. And I heard another awesome place apparently for birding is out near Bante Chamar. And Bante Chamar yeah. are some temples um, that are north and west of Siem Reap along the Thai border. Because apparently there's a big, you probably know more about this, a huge reservoir yeah. that the Khmer Rouge yeah. sent people to dig. And I drove close to it, but not there. But apparently there's heaps of birds. It's like a world-class birding area. Yeah, there. I don't remember whether it was herons or, 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 or something like that. Some kind of stork Yeah, that, so, that's at that water. Yeah, yeah because uh, during the dry season in Cambodia, these huge reservoirs and pools, all the birds flock to them because there's yeah, yeah. no other places to get. That's the, kind of a, a weird, like, dark history area. But yeah, but great in. birding in Cambodia. Great birding. Another animal that can almost fly, Trevor. What yeah. a tie-in there, a segue. Is Highland Farm... Um, this is a place that's near and dear to my heart. Yeah, you know, I've, I've read about it before. I've heard you talk about it before. I, I've never been out to Highland Farm, but we're going to talk about gibbons. And, and gibbons are by far one of the coolest animals in the world. They're pretty neat. Yeah. So they're an ape. They don't have a tail. And they probably have meter-long arms and legs that are quite skinny, but yeah. super strong. Like any kind of primate, right? Super strong. And, you know... No place is perfect, and there's a little bit of controversy about this place, but at the end of the day, I think, hey, if you have a good heart and you're trying, and I met uh, Bill and Parani Dieters, uh, they moved to uh, south of Mesot, and Mesot is a border town. Province, yeah, yeah, kind of halfway between Bangkok and Chiang Mai on the western border. Kind of a semi-remote area. It's building up a bit, but they live 41 kilometers uh, south of Mesot. And in 91, they retired there. He was American, and they bought a little baby gibbon. A hill tribe person came to their door trying to sell it, and they bought it. And they quickly learned that, you know, people kill the mother to sell the kid, mm. or, and they keep them as pets. And then when they get about six years old, they get to sexual maturity. They become yeah, unmanageable. Yeah. yeah, so they started taking them in. And and now they have over 60 gibbons, a host of other apes, monkeys, and other creatures. And they basically kind of rescue things. And Parani and I are dear friends. Her husband, Bill, has passed on years ago. But, you know, she uses all her pension. And she just has devoted her life to taking care of them. And you can go stay with them for a few days or even volunteer for a few months. But her heart, she's kind of like my Thai mom, you know. And they do good work. Again, some people will look at certain aspects and go, oh, you know, they shouldn't this or that. But I kind of feel like... You know what? They're sure trying a hell of a lot harder than anyone else. It's a neat yeah. spot. Yeah, and uh, yeah, gibbons are really cool animals. They, mm. they make this great hooting noise. They're like, mm. whoop, 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 yeah. Yeah. whoop. Yeah, about 4.30 and a.m. they start doing that there, 4.30 uh, or 5. Really charming animals. And yes, the, definitely people do try to buy them as pets or sell them as pets. And, yeah. and that's horrible. So I totally agree. Anybody who's trying to do things to save the gibbons. Doing something. I haven't been up to Mesot, but uh, that area where the Highland Farm is looks gorgeous. It is um, it is really so, cool. So I'd love to go check it out. I got to get there. Well, let's let's stick with primates. Yeah. Uh, Trevor, yeah, tell me primates, more. One What's of the, the coolest places I've ever been was the Sumatra Orangutan Conservation Program, okay. um, which is just outside Bukit Lawang, um, a small village in uh, northern Sumatra. Hmm. Um, now, I went there back in 1996. 
Dude, that's old uh, school. Which was back a in the day. Time ago. That is back in the day, yeah. right? And I didn't even know, like, you know, I'd forgotten about it to a large degree. Uh, but uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was there about a year or so ago. I remember yeah. seeing videos of Leo there. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Bukit Luang and the Sumatra orangutan conservation program, again, they take orangutans that had been held as pets in captivity. Okay. And then they try to train them how to live in the wild. And then they release them into a national park. Um, that's there next to the, the river and the small town. Okay. I um, mean, it's pretty cool because they've released all these orangutans into the jungle, and then some of them have had babies in the wild, and now they're starting to be this, uh, this wild community of orangutans there. And uh, that was one of the coolest experiences I ever had because you, you cross the river and you go through the orangutan forest and you have bananas and they're, in, they're all around you in the trees. Uh-huh. And you can feed them like bananas and stuff. And from there, we continued hiking and I saw gibbons in the wild and, and we camped out in the forest. Sounds and, awesome. Yeah, it's just an amazing place to, to see. Well, I've had one orangutan experience and it's, you know, not totally wild, but it was great. Uh, my wife and I took a holiday to Kuching which is in the southwestern uh, part of Malaysian Borneo. And Kuching itself is a really charming city. A lot of Chinese influence. If, if you can get a direct flight somewhere in Southeast Asia there, it's a great place for three or four nights. You're close to beach, you're close to wetlands. And about 45 minutes away, we went to the Semengal Nature Reserve. And basically, this is a place that for over 20 years would take in abandoned, orphaned, abused mm. um, orangutans and slowly try and get them back living in the jungle. But they would you know, feed them a few times a day because these things had forgotten how to eat. Yeah. They've been super successful. And in fact, they've moved that center now to another area. But today you can go, there's two feeding times per day, and they don't always come but you can go and sort of stand on a you know a dirt path in the jungle near the feeding station and they have ropes that come down from the trees and we saw a couple coming down and i mean they usually come for feedings but not all the time so they're wild but they still kind of need a wee bit of food support and it was pretty slick man like to see those big animals even though it's still you know not 100 percent natural but to see them coming in and coming down and eating you're like it was, a, it was a really great experience at only 45 minutes from, yeah. you know, this city holiday. It was it was well worth doing. Yeah, and I think you just fed them bananas, right? We didn't feed them anything. Oh, really? No, so they... Um, they when, because when they were transitioning them at the one at Bukit Luang, they only feed oh. them bananas because orangutans don't even eat a lot of bananas. They yeah. eat, like, ants and other types of things, right? I don't know what so, they feed them. So, like, the bananas, like, they get sick of eating just bananas. So that's the only thing they feed them because they want them not to... to go to, find to other keep, stuff. They want them to go find their own natural food. Yeah. But me and my ex, Nat, we went to some place in Malaysian Borneo that was inland a ways. We had to drive quite far. And we got okay. to see some wild orangutans there. But from quite a distance. Yeah. Um, but still, it's great to see, like, projects like this that are obviously working so that they're... These are the graduates. Like, yeah. now they've moved the actual introduction center somewhere else mm. and and yeah you know you're not giving them food like they go out before you get there and yeah. put some food i think on a platform around mm. a tree so yeah they kind of have their own decision okay. but uh, i know that uh, let's go to the water is that yeah. you've kind of really talked about bali sharks for a long time yeah elsewhere in indonesia um down in bali there's right. a really cool conservation effort that uh, my friend paul runs it's mm-hmm. called bali sharks Right. What uh, is it? Bali Sharks is a conservation nursery. Okay. Um, it, basically, it's a floating enclosure off Sarangan Island in the south of Bali. 
And he's talked to all sorts of fishermen around the island and, and told them, like, hey, anytime you accidentally catch, like, baby sharks in your nets, uh-huh. um, bring them to me. And then he raises them to adulthood, basically, within this floating enclosure, at which time their, their size is too big. They, they swim too deep for the small fishermen to Sashimi. catch their, their nets. Yeah. No. Um, and then he brings them to the Gili Islands, and he releases them where they're protected from fishing because they don't allow fishing around, around the Gili Islands. Um, so he's nearing his 250th shark. By the Come time, on. By the time this... Sharks. Yeah, I know. So And, and it, he's really gotten good, um, you know... The community and these Indonesian fishermen, they understand yeah. the problem. They understand that the sharks are an important part of the ecosystem because Indonesia is one of the largest shark finning oh, really? communities. Uh. And like they're killing millions and millions of sharks. And, and some of these smaller fishermen, they understand that like they're part of this ecosystem. So the cool thing for tourists at Bali Sharks is he has this floating nursery out in the water Uh um and you can do like shark fishing we did shark fishing where he just like it's a fishing pole but he just ties a chunk of a fish onto the the end of the string Uh and then you dip it in the in the floating nursery and the sharks come and they grab it and they like thrash around and oh you're not hooking there's no hook yeah they just rip the food off you get to feel the power yeah they yeah they they flip around the air sometimes that's cool that's really cool and then you can jump in the water and snorkel around with them if you want um again i i would say no sunblock because the sunblock's bad for for the reefs and and whatnot as well um but yeah you can uh you can fish for sharks you can swim with the sharks and uh and you're helping paul who's been doing this as a passion project um, help protect sharks there in Bali. That's super. What what side of Bali is that off? On the know. south, the Sarangan Island. Okay, well, it's, it's like south. southeast side. Like not. If okay. you're going around towards uh, a Sanur. Okay. It's, it's near you're going to pass that area. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, and it's also right near the Turtle Conservation and Education Center. Oh yeah. And uh, we went there again recently, and that's really cool. They they have a really good Turtle Conservation Education Center. There's also a little aquarium there. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if you're not going out to Shark Island, I think the Turtle Conservation Center is uh, worthwhile. We bought some T-shirts to help fund them last time we visited. Ooh, look at that. Look yeah. at that. All right. Well, speaking of turtles, um, another place I haven't been, but I've sent a good number of people to, and I know the people that kind of run it, and that's the Maikau Turtle, uh, Marine Turtle Foundation. It's another project of the Anantara Hotels, and we're not mm. sponsored by them or giving them a plug. It just happens that John Roberts, the elephant guy, he also helped them kick off this program years ago in Phuket, and it's run by other people now, but it was started in 2002, and that area, Maikau of uh, Phuket there, is an area where turtles would come and lay eggs, and I think you know, tourism and fishing have, have caused them problems. So they have a center there where they help protect the turtles that are nesting. They help make sure the turtles are able to, to bring the eggs to the end. The babies get out. And I think they also take care of ones that are having some trouble. So you can go there as a guest um, of the hotel or also an outsider. And they have tours, I believe, every day. There's a couple times a day you can have a look around. And then depending on seasonality, there's obviously a time of year where you, you can go, I believe, and see like little baby turtles, you know, running yeah, out to the, the ocean the and stuff like that. But um, yeah, John was uh, on episode four. There's uh, a link and he's worth listening to talk about elephants. But they're doing good stuff with the turtles down there too. But um, let's take a 180-degree turn here and yeah. go from something good to something that I think has been proven to be kind of at the one of the worst, and that was, that's the Tiger Temple in Thailand. What do you, what do you know about it? Ah, that's horrible. You know, I 
did a, a story when when I first started getting into writing here in Thailand. I did a magazine story about the temple, and I met the abbot who runs the temple. And, you did, eh? And yeah, and he told me a history of the whole thing. It actually started out with a chicken. Okay, um, that's like, all great projects too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then there was like a, a wild boar that got hit by a car or something like that. Uh-huh. And, uh, and and I genuinely believe that he started this whole caring for animals thing as most people that go down the wrong path do yeah i think that like i think he he really did care about the animals and and again we talked about it earlier with the elephants like tigers eat a lot of food you know they sure do Um, tigers are expensive to care for i'm sure they are (laughs) um and you know like he had talked about wanting to build a larger enclosure and you know like there is a problem tigers are endangered here in in asia Mm. and poachers are killing them yeah. And, and there are not a lot of really good programs trying to save them. So I was like, hey, you know, I respect this guy for trying. But I think what happened was that, you know, the, the money goes to people's heads. You know, you, you become popular. You start getting lots of money. Yeah. You start putting the business interest ahead of uh, the, the animals that I think they were originally caring for. And they, they found, like, all these dead kitten, like, baby tiger tubs in the freezer. Yeah, we should probably rewind here a bit because those that aren't familiar with it, the Tiger Temple is about three hours or was three hours west of Bangkok in Kanchanaburi province. And um, it was obviously people knew it as a Tiger Temple. I'll take a stab at saying it, but it's Wat Paluang Tabua Yanasampano. And it uh, it was a Buddhist temple. This abbot started to take in tigers and they kind of like canyon. It's not as deep as a canyon, but it's sort of this sandstone little walkthrough area and he ended up with i think like 50 or 60 of these tourists would go up they used to let the tigers out in this this quarry walking around and, the and quarry, you, eh? could, you could like stand next to them and, yeah. and it was only a matter of time before someone got attacked by yeah, a tiger. And take your photo and i think and... someone did get attacked uh, several years ago i don't know i never heard um, the heart on and that, i never but... believed the drug stories either because i when we were there Two tigers got mad at each other and decided to fight, and they yeah. were not drug tigers. People either. had the yeah. opinion that these tigers must be drugged a bit because they just sit and chill out while people sat with them and get their photos. Either way, I mean, it was big, and I knew people like well-intentioned tourists that went, um, and they basically did a raid. Finally, I'm sure everyone knew what was up, and a small part of the racket was they found like the frozen, say, you know, small newly born or unborn bodies of. A hundred tigers, a little tiger. But what they were doing with them, I don't know. I think they were probably down. just stillborn. And but the, you know they should. They're a temple. They could have buried them properly. And, it's murky know. enough. You probably yeah, shouldn't go. Yeah, horrible. And I did read a story that apparently they're trying to open again here soon. Yeah. There's big money behind that, right? Well, I mean, even if you go to like Samui, there's like a they they have tigers jumping through flaming hoops and stuff like Dude, that. You go an hour and fifteen minutes towards Patio. There's the big tiger place. Yeah, down there's, there. there's 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 so many horrible, yeah, yeah, yeah. horrible. Again with the elephants, you know. There's places that, that abuse their elephants. There's there's so many abusive animal places that, uh, again, like my personal opinion is that whenever possible, you should stick to passive wildlife experiences. Yeah, you know, yeah, I've seen yeah. wild elephants in Khao Yai National Park in Thailand. I saw northwest of Bangkok, northeast of Bangkok. Yeah, there's a national park that still has wild elephants. Um, you can go out in a truck at night and, and look at them from afar. Cool. Uh, wild orangutans and gibbons and flying lemurs in, in Borneo. Mm-hmm. Um, in southern Thailand a couple of years ago, I saw a dugong in the wild. I've not which, seen which one of like those. a manatee. Yeah. Uh, I snorkeled with giant manta rays off of Nusa Penida, Indonesia. Um, I still have yet to do the whale sharks. Um, yeah, I've been to where they see. are, but I haven't seen one. Um, 
And, and again, you can see monkeys everywhere. Uh, again, you should keep your distance. The Ubud Monkey Forest is a great place to to get scared of monkeys if you're not already Do not carry food with yeah. you for the monkeys. They will uh, attack you. I'd love to see snow monkeys in, in the hot springs in Nagano. That would the be great. The point is, like, you know, if and whenever possible, try to get an authentic yeah. Yeah. wildlife experience. And, and, and if not, do some due diligence and, and visit places that... Uh, you know, are genuinely looking out for the care of these animals. Yeah, I mean, I've been to plenty of places like, you know, say Highland Farm Types or any kind of elephant place where essentially they're, they're residents, right? Mm. But I agree with you. Like when I think of the travels in Nepal, I, I, often there because of the thermals along the mountains, you sit and watch hawks and eagles awesome. just ride thermals at yeah. times. And it, that's super cool. Um, I've never been, but Kuiburi National Park, uh, Huihin is a beach town about three and a half hours south of Bangkok, and about another 45 minutes south is Kui Buri National Park, and it really borders Burma, the very mm. narrow part of the, the country. And I've heard the National Park Service, I think it's something like eight bucks US, 270 baht, and you go out with them for a few hours in their pickup truck, and you go to viewing platforms, and you almost always see uh, elephants come to, to get mm. water and whatnot. I'd love to do that. Yeah. And you know, a simple one that is still fun is uh, the monitor lizards in Lumpini Park in the yeah. center of Bangkok. They're big, at least a meter. Uh, yeah, the big yeah. one's meter, meter plus. And I, not long ago, was jogging there and kind of daydreaming. And you look down and you see one that's gotten out of the water and is trying to cross the running path at yeah. like 6 p.m. after every, it's packed. Yeah. And uh, they got rid of more than 400. They relocated wow. because there was so many in the park. But yeah, once, I'd say a couple times a year when I jog, there'll be one like, and it's all distressed. It's like a deer in the headlight, joggers running around yeah. it. That's a There's good more one. more than a few snakes running around Thailand as Apparently well. Apparently king yeah. cobras are everywhere, yeah. Don't yeah. camp on like soccer pitches. And yeah, come back in think. two weeks. Uh, episode 68, we're going to be talking about uh, weird and wacky things that you can do and, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about some places you can experience snakes here in asia yeah um what about komodo i think you mentioned yeah you know komodo i've seen pictures of flores flores are the island and area near komodo and the water's crystal clear there's volcanic mountains i want to go there and of course also of see the komodo dragons right next door in komodo um yeah but i mean that's one that i've definitely got to do you know what we didn't mention what pandas pandas ah like why else would you go to Asia except to see pandas? China. Uh, yeah. We should do an episode on pandas in China. How do you see the pandas? You know, I've been to the Chiang Mai Zoo. Yeah, there's and, pandas and there. And there's pandas there. They're like the cutest things. You know what? There's let's like not, a panda channel here. Let's not even go down this rabbit hole because we really should. I've recently been to China. We're probably going to do an episode, Impressions of Beijing. And we should talk to the person that knows about pandas. How do you actually see pandas? We should do a whole episode just on pandas. That'll be our highest Agreed. Pandas. We'll interview a panda. Done. Okay, well, let's wrap this one up. Um, Man, every time I do one of these, I get excited about all these things and places I've not been. Yeah. And places I want to go back to. We should do a map on the show notes so that if people want to... You know, find out where these things are. Uh, if people are coming to Asia and want to go and check out some of the places we recommended, we'll have links to. Yeah, we'll make a Google map for this one. Uh, and links to the websites Correct. and This is a hyperlink and... heavy episode, so yeah. make sure you go to the show notes. So, anyway, I'll bid adieu. Thanks for listening to this uh, episode. We'll be back in two weeks. Trevor, take us out. Okay, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. This was episode 66 uh, Animal Tourism, for lack of a better name. Um, in two weeks, we'll be back with some other episode that I'm not quite sure about yet. Maybe we'll get John and Kathleen to talk about Iran. Who knows? Uh, maybe we'll be talking about uh, weird and wacky stuff. Yeah. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon.
Hey Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom and 